Hello, super sleuths. I'm Karen. And I'm Kelly. Welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for amateur sleuths. This week, Karen will be taking us on a truly emotional journey through Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase by our favorite, Carolyn Keene. Yes. When we'll try to answer some burning questions like, did Nancy's friend Helen invent Match.com? <laughs> what is a floating island and why is everyone so excited to have it for dessert? And is Nancy secretly running the River Heights Police Department? Oh, so many good questions from this book. So many good questions. Burning questions. I haven't stopped thinking about it, honestly. Uh, we have a lot to discuss today. And I... We do. I cannot wait. Me neither. It's it's like a legit, a good book. I agree. Um, before we get into Nancy, though... Yes. How's your week been? What have you been up to? It's been pretty low-key, I'm not going to lie. I live a pretty low-key life right now. I'm I'm coasting down from the pandemic. I'm gearing my brain up to, like, re-enter society. Uh, as 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 a introvert masquer- masquerading as an extro- extrovert, I've been just fine living in quarantine. So I know not everyone has been, and I'm certainly sympathetic to that. But for me, it's it's been just fine. So... Yeah, how have you been doing in all this? You know, I feel the same way that you do, which is probably no surprise to the the people that know, that know us. But um, <laughs> right. not being able to leave the house has not been a problem for me. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I probably would yeah. never leave the house ever if I didn't absolutely have to. I Home is kind of my favorite place. Yeah, I know. We're definitely indoor cats, for sure. Like, so. I always think about that quote from... The greatest movie of all time, Step Brothers, when they're like, we have so much room for activities. And I feel that way about home. I'm like, all my activities are here. Why would I leave? I this is where I, lo- I love that you quoted Step Brothers as the greatest movie of all time. I mean, I'm not even going to disagree with you, but I knew immediately you were going to say, look at all the room for activities. <laughs> I, I totally get it. That It's where it's where all my things are. It's where my cat is. Yep. So like, so this week, I mean, like to that point, I, I did activities at home. Primarily, I did some baking. Nice. What'd you make? Um, I made, I made coconut cupcakes. Ooh. I, it felt appropriate given that it was Easter, but I just wanted coconut cake, and so did a couple of my friends. Um, my one caveat was I'm like not going to shape it into one of those terrifying lamb, like shapes. a lamb. <laughs> yeah, like I, that's not going to be a thing that happens ever in my home. Um, but yeah, so I made coconut cake and distributed that oh and i got i got my vaccine kelly congratulations i know i it's oh gosh i i mean i i know that anybody who's like had it or is waiting to have it like gets this but like it is the most relieving thing in the world oh i'm sure i also that being said (laughs) it was maybe this is what's happening everywhere but i i got mine at like a big um like vaccination center okay and in the air force was there volunteering, like running, running the lines and everything? Oh. Uh huh. And nicest people on the face of the planet. And one of them um, was like, uh, clearly works in air air traffic control, and he had his like big like glowing baton to <laughs> direct people. <laughs> um, I love that. And, and, 
I, I had a moment like of, oh, I haven't been among people in a year. It was really weird. So I like I sat down in my chair because you have to wait like, you know, 10, 15 minutes or whatever after you have it. And I had brought my Nancy Drew book with me to sit there and read oh. while I was waiting. And but I, Karen, I had that moment of like, uh, I wonder if are people going to look at me and be like, is that grown woman reading Nancy Drew right now? Tell them about said, the podcast. I don't care. I said, who cares? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Ask me about my podcast. <laughs> I'm going to make Enjoying you. Enjoying your vaccine? I'm Ask gonna, me about my just, podcast. I'll make you a t-shirt that says that with my cricket. Ask me about my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. That's amazing. Yeah, so that was pretty much my week. Activities and and a shot. and A very important shot. I will also briefly throw you under the bus for our listening squadron here. Um, Lord. It is a big deal that Kelly excitedly went and got a shot because growing up, I have never seen someone so terrified of anything as you were of vaccinations. (laughs) I actually skipped like I, I took a couple of little skip hops and and clapped my hands like a child. Like that's <laughs> that's how excited I was to get. Which yes, I mean in in contrast to to our childhood, which was definitely there was more like you know wailing and rending of garments involved um, trauma. <laughs> it was yes for for me. I assume you meant, but probably a little bit for you too. I I am a little scarred. I always had to as the younger sibling. I would volunteer to go first because yeah. i was trying to buy you some time <laughs> i know but it's you know and and i appreciated it and you know it definitely gave me that extra like three minutes to search for an exit you know, <laughs> that i could hoist myself out of <laughs> never to any avail i always seem to be completely penned in um, uh, yep you are not you are not going anywhere yeah, but things have changed, Karen. I'm glad you had a positive things experience. That's great news. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, how about you? What were you up to this week? Uh, this week was uh, fairly similar in terms of indoor activities, minus a vaccination for me. I cannot wait until that happens for me here in Seattle. I can't wait for you, too. Um, I do have a big reveal for you. <laughs> you do? I'm so excited Ooh, tell about me, Tell me. So... For those of you that are listening, we record these on Sundays, and in the the last episode, uh, you may have heard us excitedly wondering what The Hidden Staircase was about. I was saying that I love hidden rooms. I think that's really exciting, sleuthing around in, like, secret passages you don't know exist in your home. Kelly was like, that's terrifying. Don't you read the news? There have been a lot of things (laughs) in the popular media about people finding others living in their home and i was like i don't think i was i don't think i was quite that accusatory don't you read the news woman (laughs) you're right you're right i'm i'm being hyperbolic but you were concerned about this book and felt very differently than i did about the secret passages and um i did i just i just i think i i it's one of those things where i would love to know that one existed in someone else's home Right. You know, like, I would love to be able to go and, you know, like, I, ca- I can't stop thinking about um, the Babysitter's Club book where Dawn Schaefer finds out that she has a, a hidden passageway in her house. Oh, I haven't read that um, one. Ooh, it's real good. But like, I I mean, that would be fun, you know, to like go to a sleepover or something, which is kind of what Nancy does in this book, right? Like, but I would not want to find out that there was a secret passageway in my own home. That's just like one more area you gotta like keep eyes on 
It's true. And I, I will say, in hindsight, I was being fairly glib about this in our last conversation. And like, no, it's like so cool and exciting. And you were like... Why? What, ch- what changed your mind? Well, <laughs> less than 24 hours after we had that conversation, I got a push notification on my phone from the local Seattle News, Como. And <laughs> I would like to read oh, you the introduction of this news article. <laughs> like, immediately after we discussed this, I found out about this. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. This is from the Seattle News. A movie plot played out in real life at a home in Seattle this weekend when a couple discovered a man secretly living in their basement. (gasps) No. (laughs) See, oh my gosh, I told you. Oh, yeah. Get ready. According to a police report, the man had been eating from the downstairs refrigerator, had made up a bed, and even arranged his clothes in one of the rooms. This went on for a couple of days before the woman who was already living there realized she had company and called 911. Oh, no. Yeah. And I will say the article does also reference the movie Parasite, which I did in our last conversation. Um, I I haven't seen that yet. uh, It's fantastic and directly related to what we're discussing. Um, Yeah, so... Essentially, mere moments after we had discussed this, in fact, this is happening not too far away from where I live, uh, there was just a... He sounded like a good house guest. Like, he didn't sound like he was... Right. He wasn't there for nefarious means. He just needed a place to crash for a couple of days, but... He's playing some solitaire down there, um, but I saw things in a slightly different light. I saw things from your Uh perspective after reading that. I'm like, you know, that wouldn't be the most pleasant discovery (laughs) right um well and and i know everybody's seen this maybe i don't know if you have or not but and they've talked about it on like my favorite murder and a whole bunch of other places but um there was like this multi-part tiktok that went viral a couple weeks ago about the girl that found the like quote-unquote passageways behind her um like bathroom mirror yes i forgot about that (sighs) yeah so crazy. I would say the girl in that TikTok video, straight up modern day Nancy Drew, because she absolutely realized she was feeling like air blowing behind her right. mirror. And she realized there was something back there, pulls the mirror off and she crawls through the wall and goes back there with a flashlight, which let's be real. I would be not doing that. She had a lookout, which we're going to get to. She did have a lookout. Oh, my God. This but is it, all coming together. <laughs> I know. it's Everything's happening. Well, I think this, this transitions very well into the hidden staircase. Um, it sure does. Shall we, shall we talk about our friend Nancy Drew? Let's shall. All right. So uh, in case you missed this from the last conversation, today we're talking about book number two in the Nancy Drew series, which is Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase. Same as the last book, also published in 1930. I don't know if you know this, Kelly, but I somehow came across this, I think, on Goodreads. Um, there are 69 editions of this book floating around out there. Oh, no, I I did not know that at all. Yeah. I thought there were maybe... I knew there were a couple of editions, but I thought it was like, you know, three or four. We're like getting close to 100 of editions on this book, which kind of blew my mind. And I was like, has someone written like their phd thesis on this like i want to see a side-by-side comparison uh what are the the changes over time uh i we we didn't do that though that seems like a lot of work so (laughs) no and you you were using i think the same edition i was this time right the the, like the hardcover yellow yes 1980s publication yes 
Did you, so we're at book number two, did you remember anything about this book? And if not, did you have any assumptions about what we were in for based on the the front cover? Well, I was pretty certain there was going to be a hidden staircase in that house. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the only thing I remembered was that the way they got into the mansion was from another mansion. Oh. So I, I did know that there was, it was like the passageway was between those two houses. Okay. Um, but that was really it. I didn't remember anything about, yeah, I didn't remember anything else about it. So my reaction to this book was how you reacted to the old clock. I had a visceral reaction to looking at the cover of this book. And I, that is because this is the one that scared the crap out of me as a kid. Um, well, this this one actually makes much more sense to scare a child. It terrified sure. me. And I, yeah. I, even at, you know, my current age, was reading the um, table of contents or the, you know, the chapter titles. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, no, because I, um, as you know, I do not. Yeah, you hate you hate the ghosty stuff. I do not love a ghost. I do not like the yeah. supernatural. Um, and the, yeah. the G word got dropped like several times in the first few pages. And I was like, oh, like currently I may have nightmares reading this. Uh, <laughs> so I was a little trepidatious entering into this one. Um, I so far am I. You got through it, though. I, I did get through it. And I'm, I'm glad I'm I did. You. It was a, re- a rewarding experience. Are you, like, already dreading Mystery at Lilac Lane? Like, that one has a ghost on the cover. Like a physical ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Is right. that a thing? An oxymoron, perhaps? I don't know. I am not looking forward to that. But um, I know there's a, still a bungalow between me and the ghost. So There, there, is, there is a full-on bungalow between you and that ghost. <laughs> so I've got time. I've got time. And we could maybe stretch that bungalow out for three episodes. So We may have to. <laughs> The other thing I'll tell you, and I don't know if you know this, but there is a fairly recent movie, Nancy Drew movie. I th- I know. I yeah. think it's like in the last 10 years. And I, wa- I watched it on an airplane, and I believe it is The Hidden Staircase because... It is. Okay. But it's it's modernized. Yes. Like current day. Um, I think Nancy is a little bit younger, too. She's like, if I remember correctly, she's like... I think she's like 14, 15, 16, something like that, maybe. Yeah. And I loved that movie. I mean, I was on a plane, yeah. to be fair, but I loved it. And so it was really cool to re-read, reread this after having enjoyed that film. Uh, well, so we did do our one sentence plot contest again this episode. Yes. So, and we got multiple good options. Uh, but we are going to stick with two today because I am a rule follower <laughs> as an oldest child. You know this. Um, <laughs> uh, so our first one is from Patrick, who says, Nancy knew the stairs went down, but she also knew it was time to cancel her plans and uncover why these stairs went up. <laughs> Well played, Patrick. Well played. Well played. (laughs) And we've got another one from Jennifer again this week, who is standing out as the front runner for the most mentions on this podcast, aside from our mother. Uh, (laughs) Jennifer's entry was, she knew the answer to the mystery was at the top of the stairs, but she had already done her cardio for the day. (laughs) As always, Jennifer coming in hot with the content that really resonates with my lifestyle. (laughs) Yes, I. I mean, she's not wrong. Nancy did get her steps in during the course of the <laughs> she book, did. I would say, yeah, so. yeah. Much less driving 
all over uh, River Heights and much more on foot exploration, I would say. <laughs> she, I mean, she got she got her car time in, but there was less just like driving between points. Yes, yes. You know? Yeah. So uh, without further ado, Karen, do you want to hit us with today's super fast plot? I would love to. All right, here we go. Nancy's friend Helen, last seen in The Secret of the Old Clock, implores her to assist her great-aunt Rosemary and great-grandmother Flora. The two women live in a mansion called Twin Elms and have had a series of skin-tingling ghostly encounters. The police, of course, have been of no help, assuming that Flora is senile, so Nancy will need to get to the bottom of things. At the same time, a smarmy man named Nathan Gomber shows up at the Drew's household, insisting that Carson is in grave danger. A group of landowners that sold property to the railroad company are insisting that they were cheated out of money and are demanding more compensation. In particular, a man named Willie Wharton has sworn he didn't actually sell his property to the railroad, and he's disappeared. So the railroad can't move forward with construction until they get to the bottom of why he's going back on the contract. Because Carson represented the railroad, Gomber insists Carson is a target and Nancy should stay by his side. Carson says, meh, thanks, but I'm good. Before Nancy departs on her ghost hunt adventure at Twin Elms, she goes on a double date with some guy named Dirk, who is a former high school tennis star. She and Carson then go check out the railroad construction and have to jump into the river when a rogue truck nearly mows them down. They get cleaned up, Nancy goes to Twin Elms to find a ghost, and Carson goes to Chicago to try to track down Willie Wharton and get him to admit to selling his property to the railroad. At Twin Elms, Nancy learns that all kinds of creepy stuff has been happening, including a lot of visits from Nathan Gomber himself, trying to buy the house from Rosemary and Flora. The women refuse to sell the house, and the creepiness continues. Music playing from other rooms, moving furniture, swinging chandeliers, and more. At one point, someone sees a gorilla face through a dark window, and everyone completely freaks out. Nancy starts to suspect there are secret passages hidden in the house and investigates thoroughly. In the midst of her sleuthing, Carson goes missing on his return trip from Chicago, and Nancy learns from a cab driver that two men drugged him and took him away somewhere. The police promise to look into it, so Nancy goes back to ghost hunting. Nancy crawls around on the roof, she spies on the neighboring mansion, she starts to think there are tunnels between the mansions, and gets seriously injured several times. She tips the cops off with some hot tips, and they track down two of the people involved in Carson's kidnapping. Nancy interrogates them, and they immediately fess up to pretty much everything. Except who their ringleader is, who Nancy is pretty sure has to be Nathan Gomber, in cahoots with Willie Wharton. While the cops continue to search for Carson, Nancy and Helen find a series of hidden passages and staircases beneath Twin Elms, where Willie has been lurking. He immediately confesses that he's been the ghost all along, and Nathan Gomber made him do it to try to get Flora to sell her house over to him. The cops show up at Twin Elms, Nancy busts open a padlocked door in the secret tunnel, and a barely alive Carson is inside, having been secreted away by Gomber to prevent the Drew family from interfering in his plans of a railroad treachery. All of the bad guys get arrested, and Nancy and Helen immediately serve a luncheon for the elderly relatives and Carson to celebrate another mystery well solved. So, Karen, well done. I think that was a very thorough yet concise overview of a two-pronged mystery. A two-pronged mystery. There was a lot to unpack in this book. I would say there really more is. complexity than our, our last Nancy Drew novel. Yeah, so I mean, like, kind of on that vein, I was going to say, before we kind of dive into our main topics, which I'll get to momentarily, like, overall impressions of the book, general thoughts, musings, just, yeah. 
just throw it out there for general discussion. I mean, I think my my biggest feeling in the moment that I would like to share is that this book was so much better than the last book. Oh my gosh, it was so <laughs> much better. I was wrapped. I didn't feel like there were spoilers everywhere. I didn't know what was going to happen. I very much enjoyed the characters in this, much more so than the last book. Yes. There, I also felt like there was Same. like humor. I laughed several times, which yes, did not happen me too. in the first book. <laughs> I'm not sure the place that I laughed, though, I was supposed to laugh. Fair. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually LOL'd this morning sitting on the couch while I was finishing reading this when uh, <laughs> the the guy who gets uh, captured by the, um, the security guard oh, yes. says something along the lines of, you know, I wouldn't be here to do anything wrong. I'm a notary public. <laughs> <laughs> yes. One of my favorite, favorite part. parts of the book. Mm. So you, you yeah. were feeling much better about this one than the old clock as well. Oh, same. I'm not going to lie. I I had to force myself to get through the old clock. I mean, it, I was like, okay, just read one more chapter. I agree. Re- just keep going. Um, and this one I actually sat down and enjoyed. You know, this was just like, this is what I remember from Nancy Drew is really enjoying how these mysteries unfolded. And um, this one felt much more investigatorial is that a word i I, it is like she was actually investigating something yes and i i was explaining this to garrett last night and he very sweetly said well you know carolyn Keene, maybe she just hit her stride in the second book she wrote the first one and you know and i was like i think what everyone should note here is that we don't really actually know who wrote these books like they're all ghost written and so reading this i was like fairly certain that we had a different author mm-hmm. than the previous book mm-hmm. um and i'm i think it's very possible it, it was yeah. not consistently written with uh what we had read previously so um i'm curious Correct. to see what that will look like for the future books uh, absolutely i felt exactly the same way so uh well just to kind of tee us up here our hot topics for the day are once again number one we're going to talk about the solving of the mm, crime yes uh, number two, we're going to talk about friends and dating. Yes, I can't wait. Uh, cannot wait for that one. Uh, number three, the Great Depression continued. Yep. Number four, the second hero of the story, The Hidden Staircase. So good. And number five, we're going to discuss again who is Nancy in this book. Excellent. Yeah, so let's start off with the solving of the crime part, you know, the actual mystery. Yep. So, um, you know, I think right off the bat, we kind of talked about it a little bit. I mean, the investigation is just, it's so much different than it was in the last book. The last book felt to me just really tedious. And you kind of talked about this, but, you know, Nancy was just burning gas money, just driving around from place to place to place, delivering information yep. and and asking questions. Like that was the entirety of her her investigation in that book with the exception of like tracking down those thieves and finding the clock it was all just asking questions getting answers asking another question getting another answer and this one not only was she actually you know finding some you know good fun clues um like the one that sticks out to me is the the newspaper with the cutout advertisement in Mm. it Yep. And she's able to find the ad, and that sends them on the path to finding one of the crooks. And, I mean, I thought that was, like, really fun. Um, 
but the stakes are a whole lot higher in this book. So much higher. I, yes, completely agreed. There was, like, real danger in this book. Right. I mean, yeah, in in the old clock, there was never the sense, Nancy wasn't even afraid that she was going to be in real danger, like, when she runs into the thieves. Totally. Like, she doesn't think they're going to hurt her. And this one, I mean, my gosh, right off the bat, they almost get run over by a truck. Which, let's be honest, there's some brilliant comedy moments in that, if we want to talk about that for a minute. But, I mean, my favorite part is Carson yelling dive at Nancy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, And then the fact that she's able to rescue her pumps out of the mud after it's all over. Like, not not even a shoe was damaged in the making of this chapter. She rescues her footwear, which... I, I had some moments like she had not clearly worn sensible enough footwear to be sleuthing in the moment, but she doesn't let that stop no, her. No, and, and 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 Carson even points that out. He's like, I really don't think those are the right shoes to be wearing as we like climb down this muddy embankment. She's like, I'm good, pops. Yep. Love yep. it. I loved that. Carson knew best. Carson mm-hmm. had a rough ride in this book. He he really did. Like we almost really we almost did. lost Carson Drew in book two. <laughs> I know. We had just gotten on first name terms with him, too. Yep, yep. Yeah, the the whole thing, mean, and you kind of said this in your plot recap, but I thought it was hilarious that he's like, he just totally blows off that whole threat and the warning and all of that in the beginning. He's like, I'm cool. Don't worry about and me. And then he's super not cool. Like, he gets physically <laughs> kidnapped from a train station. He is drugged with what I assume to be ether. They say that it's something that he... The, like yeah. a smelling thing they put under his nose. He like goes unconscious. Mm-hmm. They throw him in another car and then he's locked in a dungeon. It was, I, I totally understand why I was so afraid of this book. Like that was terrifying. Oh, one, 100%, 100%. And there's, there's something especially scary about something happening to the adult. Yes. You know, the this idea that, that Nancy, the kid, has to be the one to save her dad is like, oh, wow, okay. That's, we we escalated dramatically in this book. So, um, you know, then the, then there's all the kind of like the, the quote unquote ghost attacks that thing, things that happen, um, like the owl attack. Yep. Which, you know, once again, let's add like ornithology to Nancy's list of expertises, you know, expertise. What's Her, the plural of expertise? I am super here for expertise. I love that. Expertise, expertition. But yeah, just add that right on to boat mechanic and doctor. But now she's an ornithologist. I mean, she just, I, I would be terrified to, listen, there have been butterflies in my house before that I haven't wanted to capture and release. Didn't like, you once have to get a, a bat out of your home, though? I, yes, and I screamed like a little girl, ran out into the front lawn in the middle of the night and called for backup. (laughs) Nancy did not. She grabbed a full owl by its body and removed it from the home. Um, Yeah, just just grabbed it. Just grabbed it by the (laughs) midsection. Hoisted it out the window. She... Helen, if you wouldn't mind just like opening that screen for me, would you, dear? I'll take care of the massive territorial the bird and bird of prey <laughs> that like we are told right? pecks her arms into like a bloody mess. Uh-huh. Nancy gets yeah. roughed up because so the owl attack happens. Yeah. She a roof. Well, I, not a roof, like the ceiling of the house collapses on her and she is right. fully knocked unconscious. Yep. Once again, we've got an unconscious person that everybody's like, let's just wait a few minutes and see if they come to. I mean, 
I guess I I guess I would do the same thing. I think I would be a little quicker on the nine one one draw, but I guess they didn't have that. So. She's she actively refuses medical help. She's like, no, I'm good. Um, I'm yeah. good. I probably don't have a concussion. <laughs> do we know what concussions are in 1930? Uh, doesn't seem like it. <laughs> yeah, and the, oh, and then Helen falls through the carriage house. He- yep, Helen falls through a floor. Uh huh. And she, my okay. Here, legitimate question, Karen. What on earth did she fall onto? That she was like, oh, it's soft down here. Nothing good. I don't know. I just couldn't figure out what on earth would have been underneath that carriage house. It was a, a nice cushion. Would have been a cushiony <laughs> landing. Like, is that like pillow storage for the mansion? Or yeah, I don't. I that don't was know. very alarming to me. Um, where 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 you keep the hay that you feed the carriages? I mean, I don't know. So. <laughs> oh my god. yeah there was a a lot of uh oh and then um the other person who almost bites it so miss flora the elderly woman who lives in this home she yep like nearly dies of fright from the the ghostly happenings a doctor has to come they think she's had a heart attack like She's not okay. Yeah, they also let her decline medical attention. I, I, I'm like, is it so optional? I guess I didn't realize that, you know, if if my great grandmother's having a heart attack, she can be like, no, no, dear, just bring me some consomme. You know, <laughs> I think I might insist a little harder. Did you notice also what the sick bed food is for people? Because it sounds repulsive. Was it? Oh, God, chicken bouillon. Correct. So basically, chicken broth, right? I don't remember what else though. The one there were there were three things I can't remember the second one now, but the third thing was unflavored gelatin. Ugh! So just water flavored jello. I just had a really strong reaction to yeah. that. <laughs> I'm like, how does that help anything? I would I would be begging for the hospital if that's what they were feeding me. At yeah, home. no thanks. That's disgusting. Um, <laughs> yeah, pass. Oh, and then then there's also a full on high speed car chase. Is the, remind me of the car chase. Uh, so when uh, Nancy and Helen are on their way back to the house from, I think, I don't know, the realtors or some player, I don't know where they've gone, but they're on their way back to the house and Nathan Gomber is pulling out. Oh! And he smirks at yes. them. And Nancy just like floors it and follows him. And Helen Helen's like, uh, hey, do you think this is a good idea? Maybe we should like just let the cops know. And Nancy's like, no, keep an like, eye I can't out. Hear you. I'm driving too fast to look. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Yeah, like this book, yeah. it, it felt so different from the last one because there was yeah. there was danger at every turn. Yeah. And I... There was action. Yes. And I was like flipping yeah. pages like it mattered. Um, I was, yeah. Thank you. Perfectly described. Yeah. This read, I was not scared about ghosts because Nancy didn't fall prey to like the ghost theory ever. that's a really good I mean, point from from get she was like well obviously there's a person doing this you are right um, she was the voice of reason from the get-go because everyone else living in that house and experiencing those things went straight on like the conjuring they were like burn the house down <laughs> like there right. is a graveyard under this we are full-on haunted and nancy never bought into the the hysteria of that she was like there is a rational solution behind this the laws of physics will help us solve (laughs) get get under the hood here why is nancy the best equipped to solve what is clearly criminal activity 
I like I don't know. <laughs> Hannah Hannah is the only one who's like maybe this isn't a good idea. But even Carson's like sounds like fun. Go out there and investigate. I think Carson I got the vibe from Carson that he was like, "Oh, this is cute. Yeah, like go have a sleepover with your friend and like play with your Ouija board." I don't think Carson actually thought that there was danger afoot in this house in a similar manner to how he thought he was not in danger when there was like a mob of angry landowners after him. But it does seem bizarre to me that she is the go-to for all things in River Heights. So yeah, Nancy did continue to work closely with law enforcement. And I say, you know, I feel like they stepped up their game a little bit in this, at least in, I, I was impressed that there was a lot of cross town communication between the different captains of the different towns, cop departments, that is true. police departments. That's what I you think call by them. the end of it, we were up to three local police mm-hmm. departments. We were collaborating. Yeah, there was a there was a true collaborative spirit between the uh, the different branches of law enforcement in this area. Yeah. Um, but but again, I they these guys kind of tend to be like, you take the lead, Nancy. <laughs> We'll bring up the rear. Yeah, she was like, she was doing her due diligence of like, update them early and often. And they were like, yep, got it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for letting us know. Best wishes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were taking detailed notes, I felt like, but not executing <laughs> a lot in the action sense. <laughs> I think I think that's a fair point. They, they also were far more optimistic than I think any real life policeman would ever be about anything like every time she went in to check in with them and bring them like the next clue that she had found for them just you know hand delivering clues um they were like well i'm sure we'll find him soon everything's fine we'll find him he's i'm sure he's right around the next river bend that's true i like that you called that optimistic because in my mind i was like this is straight up negligence (laughs) Like, there's a missing man, and we know that he's been kidnapped. Like, have a little more pep in your step there, Captain whatever his name is. Like, yeah, kind of alarming. I I mean, I think your assessment's fair. I think think it's fair. Thank you. So, you're welcome. I support you completely. Um, Let's see. I will say that Nancy has upped her game a little bit from the old clock in terms of, like, hashtag common sense while sleuthing. Um, So as opposed to when she told Helen in the old clock, like, I'm going home, don't look for me, and then goes to break into the bungalow. Um, Also, I realized in listening back, I say bungalow really weird. I I think it's a very awkward word for me to say. Bungalow. Um, but but this time she kind of is like she's not going too far off from from helen like they're going as a team you know she's like she's smart enough to have helen stay like outside the passageways when she goes in to investigate them so she doesn't get trapped in yes you know that's it was like it's good to have a buddy i think she figured that buddy system i noticed that as well i was like this is a team sport you do, you don't have to sleuth mm-hmm. alone, Nancy. Like bring some backup, and uh, it it helped me rest a little easier because Helen was with her. Though, like Helen brings 
a lot of comedy and goodness to this book, but I don't know that Helen really had the the composition to be on a ghost hunt. Helen, she Helen was a tad jumpy. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which don't blame her, but I mean, she rang the alarm bell a little bit early on a few occasions, and I think kind of busted <laughs> up. You know, we probably wouldn't have gotten to a full length book if it weren't for Helen. So you know, Helen was important, but. Um, you know, she did probably triple the time that this investigation took just because she kind of like kept ringing the alarm a little early. But the other thing that I was very pleased to see Nancy do was she she asked to see a badge from the security guard. Oh, Tom Patrick. I want a whole spinoff series about Officer Patrick, but she did ask to see a badge and I was like internally applauding her. That is a really good point. That has been a pain point for me so far in this series that people very much just believe what they're told. They're like, I'm a notary public. You know, people are just taking everybody at their Mm -hmm. word, which seems like a super bad idea in River Heights based on the amount of crime that's happening. So that also gave me peace of mind that she was verifying this man's identity. Agreed. Speaking of Helen, I would love to talk a little bit about, uh, the the sub characters in this book the kind of the the friends oh, me and too. dating life i <laughs> i love reality tv and so i'm super here for like who's Same. who's nancy dating like what are people what are the other teens up to so this in my mind is like yeah the real world river heights section uh the let's a Let's address the elephant in this book. Let's please. We learned that Nancy goes on a date with some guy named Dirk. I don't think Dirk has a last name. I don't believe. Dirk did not have a last name. And the only positive thing about Dirk is that I know that Ned is coming and that we won't have to read much more about Dirk. He, Dirk seemed like a real piece of work. All we know about him are the following facts. He has red hair. He, (laughs) which fine. Okay. Totally straightforward. I can picture him now. We learned that he is a, and I have to say this in air quotes, former high school tennis star, which made me laugh so hard because I just saw that as if it was like scrolling across the bottom of the screen on The Bachelor. Like he's in the, he's in the confessional. It's like Dirk, 21, former high school tennis star. Uh, So we know that about him, which makes me think that Dirk may be living in the past a little bit if he is still using that as how he identifies himself. I, th- I think Dirk is really looking for a social media influencer to date, and Nancy, you know, teen sleuth is probably not going to fill the fill the fill the job too well. Totally. But, you know. um, and then what? Oh, the other thing about Dirk that really burned my biscuits was that Carson says something to Nancy. That she, he's like, "Oh, don't you have a date with Dirk tonight?" Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Ha ha! You better not be late. We know." I can't. How, what is he? He's like we. Yeah, we know I, how. I know exactly. I we know. know how much Dirk Ugh. hates when you're late, Nancy. And I was like, I don't like this he guy. Ha- like he hates to be kept waiting. That was it. That was it. And I, my hackles went up mm-hmm. immediately. Same. Same hackles all over the yeah. place. So, uh, not a Dirk fan. We don't learn much else. Nancy goes on a double date with him and another couple to the theater. Yeah, they go see. They go see. Go to the little theater. Yes, which. I want to point out, has a live orchestra. Oh. But whatever. I missed mm-hmm. that. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's it's not addressed in much detail. However, this person exists and I hate him, is what I wanted to say about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I... I, I'm, I need, I, I was like very happy to hear that Nancy didn't come back like all a Twitter about Dirk and I'm losing patience. Where's Ned? 
follow-up statement on the dating scene in River Heights. I think that this must be like a 1930s-ism or something, kind of akin to having the, in air quotes, the little black book, but Carson also says something to Nancy. He thinks Nancy's about to cancel a date, and Carson says, is Dirk not on your list anymore? Oh, I forgot about that, but you're right. And that really stuck in my brain. I'm like, oh, so Nancy uh-huh. has like a whole dance card. Nancy's got a roster. Yeah, she yeah is, Nancy's got a roster. She is not uh-huh. tied down to one individual in River Heights. She's Mm-mm. she is exploring her She's options, playing the field. Which I was like, mm-hmm. great, because Dirk sucks. So that gave me hope. And for, for a young teen sleuth, I hope she's doing you know, her due diligence, extensive background checks, etc. I mean, she knows, you know, the police force in three counties now. So I think she could probably get some good intel on these dudes. The real hero of this book, though, for our, our real our real world River Heights is obviously Helen. I Helen. love Helen. She yeah. is my favorite character. She was an unsung hero of the old clock, um, but she had a much more prominent role here. And I think I mentioned this earlier, but I felt like there was a lot of humor in this book, and Helen was, was busting funnies left and right. <laughs> yeah, she totally was. My favorite quote from Helen in this book, Kelly, is they still <laughs> think there are ghosts and trying to figure out how this nefarious being is moving so quickly through the old house. And Helen uh-huh. says, well, that ghost must have been on a track team. And I lost <laughs> it. I'm like, Helen... I love you. They also start to think there are two ghosts. And she said, do you think the ghosts are in cahoots? <laughs> I I totally didn't pick up on that line because at the end of that book, I wrote in my notepad as I was taking notes, how was the word cahoots never used in this book? It, because that's all that was happening was just cahooting around. There is a lot of cahooting for sure. Also mm-hmm. a hooting owl. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> um, and then arguably or inarguably, the juiciest tidbit that we pick up in this book. So Uh as Nancy and Helen are going to the haunted mansion to have this spooky slumber party, Helen's like, Nancy, a quick update for you. I'm getting married. Nancy is shocked. She, Nancy pulls the car over because Mm -hmm. she is so surprised. She's like, I can't, I cannot safely operate a motor vehicle with this new information. No, and like Nancy can operate a motor vehicle in many other circumstances. This was too much. Right. She's like, to... But not a sudden engagement. And the reason she's shocked is she's like, Helen, to who? Who are you engaged to? I know every... Right. We know everyone in this town. Somehow, Helen meets this guy named Jim. Jim Tucker, I think? Mm-hmm. I think that sounds Jim right. Jim is like, he's been living overseas. He works for Tristam Oil Company. Mm-hmm. Came back... For a quick vacation to see his family, he and Helen very quickly fall in love. He's now gone back overseas to be an oil magnate and proposes to Helen over the phone. And she's over the going to get married to this guy. And and didn't she say they'd only been talking for like a month? Like a very short. I mean, it was super fast. Yes. Like she is making a rapid decision. Um, so yeah. I have a lot of open questions. I mean, about that. Oh, I have questions. I also have recommendations. I mean, like, just, you know, for the children out there, please don't get engaged to someone that you've only talked to remotely for a month. Like, this is not advisable. A letter from overseas is not enough to know that you love someone. <laughs> Listen, I can, I can, like, really woo the pants off of somebody in an email. Uh, well, how, how do you know they're gonna like this? Uh, I don't know. It's, I'm worried for Helen, and I... I'm worried for Helen. That 
open thread never comes back around. I also just remembered that Helen is a little older than Nancy. I think they say that Helen is like three years older than Nancy, maybe. Um, so still incredibly young. She's like 21, but she is, she's a bit older than Nancy. So she's at a, she's in a different place in her life. If, if this were a standalone book, okay, if this were not, you know, there weren't 175 Nancy Drew books, but if this were the one and only Nancy Drew book, Nancy would have fallen in love with Officer Patrick. Tom Patrick. Mm-hmm. He did seem like yeah. a like a good soul. So Tom Patrick, listeners, like a likable bloke. He's the guy that the cops send to the haunted mansion to do like the night patrol, and right. he and Nancy strike up quite a friendship in in like one scene, and then he's gone. But you know, he was good at his job. He was, you know, he he was a solid solid guardsman for the house, and and like took her seriously. He didn't like guffaw at her. So. I don't know. I was just, I mean, Ned will always be in my heart, but I was hoping that maybe we could see at least the demise of Dirk at the end of this and find out that Nancy was like going on a date with Officer Patrick. Team Tom Patrick. Yeah. I womp womp. I, I feel that. Um, the mm-hmm. other thing I wanted to address, and this is kind of going off of our discussion of Helen's financial affairs. So the Great Depression, obviously, we are still in the throes of this. Mm-hmm. Much like book one, the financial disparity and struggles were very much at the heart of this book. But this time I wrote down, this time with more capitalism. <laughs> Big time. Big time. This this was like, this was industry capitalism, not individual family wealth. Yes, that was exactly the word I was looking for. Thank you. It's like the, the industry's impact on this small town of struggling people so we've got this big railroad that wants to come through river heights and the neighboring towns and specifically in this book to build a bridge across the the, it's like lake or sorry river muskogee or something like that and probably the the river of river heights i actually had a kind of a ethical dilemma with this Mm -hmm. because the way this is set up carson is the lawyer that's representing the railroad we're supposed to be very worried about Carson, obviously. We're aligned to him. Uh, we believe that he's the good guy. But it kind of sounded like... Like, all these landowners are upset with the railroad and feel like they got, you know, screwed out of money to some capacity. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of felt like the the railroad did these people dirty, potentially. And it made me feel mm-hmm. a little bit weird about Carson. <laughs> If I'm being yeah, honest, it's, it's like I, I, I thought kind of the same thing. And we at no point and this could just be because, you know, we're supposed to be on Team Carson. Right. So maybe they would never tell us this. But, you know, in a, in, a, in a lot of plots, true, true or, or fictional, like where where there's some kind of a land buy up like this, a lot of times the, you know, the corporation is putting a lot of potentially even illegal pressure on people to sell. Yes. And they don't really ever say anything like that in this. You know, I think we do kind of find out that actually it's not the landowners at large that are upset about this. It's everybody kind of feels like, no, it's fine. We agreed to it. Except for Willie. Nathan. Not even Willie, but Nathan, who is trying to kind of form a class action situation. Like, totally. If I can get all of these people, and like the only leverage they have is Willie. Yeah. 
because Willie's is the only one that wasn't witnessed. So I don't know. Like, I, I think there's always the potential that like the nefarious behind the scenes thing that nobody talked about in this book is that, you know, the railroad was it was like strong arming them. Yeah. Yeah. On the flip side of that is this railroad could be seen as bringing additional jobs and right. even potential additional wealth into the area by having it there. So who knows? I mean, it could it could go either way. But I, I know what you mean. I have I was like, uh, this feels a little. It made worse. me feel uncomfortable. I was like, ah, yeah. uh, there's a lot of a lot of nuance here that they're not unpacking for me, and I just, oh, I don't love it. It maybe it's just me, but I was like. Feels like kind of a very uninteresting legalese plot in a kids book. Yeah, like like property rights, property rights in a book for kids. And like we're introduced <laughs> to the concept of like notary public several several times. I was like, okay, all right, let's get going yeah. on this plot line here. <laughs> I'm a notary public. So that's kind of that's kind of where we're at with the Great Depression. Some kind of questionable interactions with industry coming to river heights but um we're we're still going down that path hardcore so i'm sure there will be more to come on how that plays out agreed so so kind of like the other main character in this book karen is the actual hidden stair yes it is Uh, and it's yeah i mean it's I, i thought it like the fact that this exists and is there is actually even more important than willie who's like playing the ghost right like the the actual existence of this whole infrastructure was fascinating um and so so basically we find out that i mean there are a lot of little hidey holes on this property which they never really talk about why i mean maybe it was you know they were built for some kind of um like the there's the one hidden passageway in the in like kind of the the main main floor of the house behind the big china cabinet um that has the listening room so they can go basically they could have gone and spied on and listened to the servants in colonial times then there's there's like the little hidden place that nancy this is the one time she went and investigated by herself which i was not happy about (laughs) um she went and found like the the passageway in the cave oh yes um but like it didn't go anywhere it was boarded up or something so we don't really know where that was but uh, and then there's like hatches in the roof that she goes up and you know traipses along yep. and you know all this stuff. Um, but you know the 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 main hidden staircase is actually this passageway that leads from the attic in Twin Elms to I think the cellar. Right? Was it? It was done in the cellar. Yes. So it's it's kind of an underground passageway. One thing they bring up is that previous owners of the house sometimes had to hide government agents that came there. Yeah, and they she finds a note in there that's from 1785. So this is like post-1776. Mm-hmm. People are still at odds with Great Britain. Insert Hamilton mm-hmm. reference here. <laughs> and the... Nancy is not throwing away her shot. She is not. And uh, King George is crying into his tea overseas. Uh, that song mm-hmm. will be in my head all day now. Uh, <laughs> but basically this... Yeah, they would... If they had, like, spies or they wanted to have, you know, conversations about their political alignments and they needed, and they needed to, like, secret people away and hide them away, they would use Mm -hmm. the secret passage for it. So it's super historically fascinating. Yeah. The the interesting thing about it is that, like, the the fact that it existed had been, like, lost to the generations. Yes. 
which I find a little bit surprising. Like you think somebody before they die would go like, hey, son, just a heads up, you know, in case of fire, you know. <laughs> There's a bunch of creepy stuff like, under this push house. Push this button. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, nobody apparently knew that, that these existed. Um, but Nancy did figure it out pretty fast that there was probably a, a, a different way into the house, which I thought was pretty, pretty smart. Um, so one one thing that I also kind of liked about it is that we talked about this a little bit in the last episode about how like everything in in the old clock came in pairs like all of the all of the witnesses like <laughs> seemed to come in oh, pairs yeah. and it like somewhat continued in this book i i immediately started laughing when um helen invites nancy out to twin elms and i'm like oh my god even the elms come in twos <laughs> and then you find out that there's actually like twin mansions twin mansions that so. were owned by brothers <laughs> who then passed them on to their sons yep. who uh, the, the two by yep. two Noah's, Noah's Ark, Ark. man. Mm-hmm. So here's my question for you, okay. Karen. Was was the title of this book a spoiler, like The Secret of the Old Clock, or was it like a tantalizer I that made you just oh, want to read more? I'm so glad you asked because I thought about this a lot. I had very strong feelings about this in the last book. Uh, I know you did. And yeah. I and, and rightfully so, because it, it did. It ruined the book. It did. And I did not feel that way about this book. I thought the title was great because we... We learn pretty quickly that Nancy's not buying the ghost malarkey. She's like, there's something else going on here. I think somebody's creeping around in some sort of portal in this home we don't know about. Right. But we don't know where it is for a long time. She actively looks for it and can't find it. And so I was like, where is it? Like, we know it's there. Where? So I was super here for the title of this book. I totally agree with you. And I think there was almost something about knowing it from the outset that it like lent credence to the concept of the hidden passageways so like if that had just been sprung on us as the solution it would have seemed like really out of the blue like oh geez what a cop out like i think it would have felt very like you know you wake up from a dream at the end a hundred percent but having it in the title for some reason because you're looking for it the whole time it, it authenticates it somehow agreed and i i think also this probably helped me as a child and it certainly helped me even at age 35 to be less terrified knowing that i cannot handle a single ghost i was like it's okay it's okay <laughs> what, ab- what about a pack of ghosts can you handle a pack nope, of ghosts? even worse so the fact that i could bear in my mind that there was likely a, a hidden staircase a secret passageway I was like, I, I may continue. The ghost isn't real. Keep reading. <laughs> right, right. There is a non-supernatural result for th- what? 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 What do you call like a group of ghosts? There's got to be a word. There's for There's for sure a word is for it, it, and I can't remember. I want it to be like a sheet, like a sheet of ghosts, <laughs> or <laughs> I, I like that a lot. <laughs> Something applicable. A boo, a boo you know? of ghosts. A, bo- a boo of ghosts. Thank you. Yes. Done. Um, speaking mm-hmm. of ghosts, shall we talk mm-hmm. about our friend Nancy in this book and what we learn about how her mind operates? We should definitely talk about Nancy. Yeah. Okay. So Nancy Nancy definitely evolved in this she book. She did. She became much more complex. She became much more likable, for me at least. And I, the reason I transitioned from our my terror of ghosts into this is that the thing that really stuck out to me in The Hidden Staircase is that Nancy is absolutely fearless in the face of absolutely real danger um yeah if i had walked into that haunted mansion and they're like hello uh, actually no f- rewind you wouldn't have walked no, into the haunted mansion. i would have not put my foot on the property <laughs> like you think there's a ghost right best of luck to you 
I am not your sleuth. No, like she is not afraid of the supernatural stuff. A gorilla face appears in the window one night. Helen goes like to an apocalyptic level of fear. And Nancy's like, <laughs> probably a guy. It's probably a Probably mask. a guy with a mask. And he leaned over the porch and he did it to scare you. Like she is uh-huh. fearless. She, arguably my favorite part of the book, Nancy is like clambering over the roof, the the treacherously peaked roof of this mansion to peer down the chimneys. And to your earlier point, as a, the child of her father, she is the person that's on the hook to, like, save her dad's life. Right. He would have probably died yes. if she had not been investigating this. Completely. Like, Carson would have been an actual ghost haunting the secret passage for <laughs> exactly. eternity. The most boring ghost of all time, though. Carson Drew haunting your house. I mean, he'd be like, you know, you should probably add some copyright laws down at the bottom of that before you send that document out the door. (laughs) Time to start thinking about working on your will. (laughs) You brought up the roof thing. And the thing I kept thinking the whole time was she's going out there checking inside these chimneys, half expecting that there's someone hiding down there. Yes. So I'm like, it's not even just about her being brave enough to climb out onto this peaked roof where she fully acknowledges, like, if she falls, she's going to perish horrifyingly. But she could, she could, like, what if she's successful? Like, Nancy, you did not think this through, babes. Like, what if you get out there and then there's a big, horrible dude down in one of these chimneys? She, I think she was. Are you going to fight him off in your pumps on a roof? I think she was prepared to straight up go into hand-to-hand combat on the gabled roof with her flashlight. I truly believe she was ready for that. She's like, I'll figure it out. Uh, you're probably right. What were what were your observations about Nancy in this book? Uh, I like that she wore jeans. Oh. I wouldn't have even thought that she had jeans. She did. You're right. There, there was also so much food in this book. There was so much food. And also some food that I had never heard of. <laughs> no, some very um, 19, 1930s, 1940s food in this book. And a lot of canned peas, which again, hashtag Great Depression. Like everything was canned. Yep. Lots of soup. They st- I love they started with a fruit cup. Yep. Like that, you have to eat your vegetables first. Well, we're going to start with a fruit cup first. And like food is always the solution to everything. Like they'll get kind of stretched mm-hmm. out, stressed out. And they're like, let's pause. Let's mm-hmm. have lunch. And then we'll regroup. Mm-hmm. Let's just... And then they do. Yeah. <laughs> I I love, too, that... And this was part of one of their, their dining experiences was that in preparation for eating, they decide... Nancy decides that it would be a good idea for Miss Flora and Rosemary... Rosemary? Rosemary? To just be outside all day. Like, just, just go outside all day and get some fresh air. And then we'll have lunch outside, too. And I just... Karen, I legit sat in my house this morning for like a good five minutes and just thought about how nice it would be to just be like, I'm going to take the day outside today. <laughs> you know, like, and then I'm going to ring this bell and, you know, my cream of, somebody's going to bring me my lunch. cream of chicken soup will appear. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then I'll continue to just, I mean, I'm like, what are they doing out there? There didn't appear to be any activities. No, they were, they were, yeah. I, I don't even know what the word for it would sunning. be. They were sunning. Yeah. Just sitting outside, convalescing. I have a question I've been dying to ask you because I know you looked this up. There's no way you didn't look it up. There is a dessert mentioned in this book Mm -hmm. that Helen is... The floating island. And Helen's like super Mm -hmm. excited about it and they eat it and they don't talk. I I feel like we were supposed to know what a floating island is. It's a Mm -hmm. dessert, clearly. Mm -hmm. Did you... Do you know what this is? 
So yeah, I mean, from from what I remember, I've I know they've made. I, I'm pretty sure they've made it on Great British Bake Off at some point. I'll have to look it up. But I'm I think it's essentially almost a, a pudding or like a a custard type thing, like vanilla custard that then you put meringue on top. Just oh, that yeah. makes sense. The, the and I I I mean, it's, so I think the little meringue bit like floats. It's the island in the custard are you gonna you're the resident baker in this podcast are you gonna make this i'm totally gonna make it yeah i think i think so here's what i'm gonna do i just decided right now (laughs) i am going to find a recipe i will post it on our social i think you and i should both make it and maybe we'll record like five minutes of our experience for our next episode but i'm in we should make it post pictures anybody who wants to join us should make floating island because I, I think some of the best descriptions in this book were about food. There, Yes, I, I was very hungry <laughs> while I was reading mm-hmm. it. Like, I have no idea what Carson Drew looks like other than that he's handsome, but I know exactly what Nancy Drew had for lunch like six days in a row. I could not agree with that more. Yeah, it's the, the food is a prominent character. The last thing before we wrap up here, the, the last thing I wanted to say about Miss Nancy in this book that leapt out at me is that she is the person that the cops go to at the end of this book to interrogate the suspects. They're like, we got them. They're locked up in a room over there. Can't get anything we out of them. We can't get a thing out yeah. of them. So they send Nancy in. And to borrow your phrase from the last episode, they immediately dump their buckets to Nancy. Immediately. And I, I think what we were meant to take away from this is that her style was that she immediately found a connection point with the person that she was mm-hmm. interrogating. So I will give one example She's interrogating Harry, the taxi driver, who mm-hmm. is involved in the kidnapping of her father. And she says to Harry, like, look, Carson's my dad. You have kids. You can imagine how terrifying this would be for your children if you went missing. That's all mm-hmm. she says. And he breaks down and is like, mm-hmm. he said, you win. I'll tell you everything. <laughs> it Like, though largely unbelievable, I think the takeaway is she tries to understand the humanity of the people she is addressing mm-hmm. criminal criminal or not and and uses that to help navigate the crime and i really liked learning that about her good point thank you good point but you know conversely also once again like really with the cops <laughs> right like can can you send a civilian in to inter- interrogate your 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 criminals your capturees oh, they can i and can't think of words today. i like i like all of the ones you're coming up with I have a few follow-up questions from this book, just like loose ends that Ooh. were never tied up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna whip those on you Perfect. real fast. Okay. Yep. Number one, did Helen ever get her sweater back? That bugged me for the rest of the book. Where? Oh, Helen uses her sweater to wedge open a door correct. to keep them from getting locked in to the That's basement. Correct. Oh, Nancy just well, Nancy. I was gonna say she was foolhardy and just like trotted on down that hidden staircase but she actually fell when she you know got the door open she it, she pushed it so hard she fell into this like big hole down the staircase and helen goes after her and she wedges her sweater and so hmm. the whole time i was like well somebody's going to notice that they're in there because her sweater it just bothered me the whole time i want helen to get her sweater yep. back um i assume miss flora gets her mansion back oh good point because she does at one point, get coerced into signing paperwork to Nathan Gomber. Yeah. Yeah. But he gets arrested, so I'm assuming they make that go yeah, away. Yeah, that right? was under duress. I think she has nothing to worry about. 
why did the real estate agent have the sudden change of heart and decide to let Nancy into the mansion after that all? That was the weirdest part of the book. Um, do you yeah. want to give us a little context for that moment? Yeah, so so Nancy and Helen have gone to ask the, the real estate agent who is, is basically listing the adjacent mansion to see if they can get a showing of the house so that they can get inside of it and see if they can find what Nancy thinks is probably the entry point for the hidden stair, the hidden passageway between the two houses. And so they go to ask this real estate agent for the key. And he says, no, sorry, it's already been sold. And the new owner wouldn't want me to let you in. And so they leave. A couple hours later, he shows up on their doorstep and goes, I changed my mind. Here's the key. Just bring it back to me when you're done. He's not even going to go with them. But that's never explained. I totally thought it was a trap. I was like, this guy's in yeah. on it. They're going to, she's going to go in there. Something bad's going to happen to her. But no, he just was like, you know what? Hmm do over have fun that was weird yes last question is are notary publics going to be this important in every book? oh my god i really hope not kelly so much notarizing <laughs> so much notarizing thank goodness we found that there's a notary public right around the corner when we need them most thank goodness well with all of that being said it's time for us to rate this book and i have decided that our rating scale this week will be out of a possible 12 gorilla masks. <laughs> I have decided Perfect. that, so last week I had a pretty low rating. This week I am going to give this, I'm going to give this a 10 out of 12 gorilla masks. <gasps> wow. I loved this book. I loved everything about it. I loved Nancy in this book. Helen is, Helen stole a show for me. I mm. laughed. I, I was flipping pages. I, I loved it. I don't want to give it a 12 though because there are, approximately 10,000 more Nancy Drew books so yeah, I don't want to say somewhere it's somewhere to go. I don't want to say it's perfect because it's mm-hmm. not, but I thoroughly enjoyed this. I I totally agree. I I don't know that I would rate it a full 10 out of 12 just because that feels like an you know, early, but <laughs> but I'm an, I'm an, I'll give it 9. I'll give it 9 out of 12 gorilla masks. I agree with you. It was this was so refreshing after the old clock, which just womp womp womp. I mean, truly. I loved Helen. I am terrified that we're never going to see Helen again because she's going to marry Oil Bear and Jim and move overseas and she's going to be gone from our lives. And I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Also my greatest fear. Um, I'm going to just say that I gave the one one point deduction um, because of Dirk. I really, <laughs> Dirk ruined like a lot of the book for me because I was thinking the whole time about what a jerk he was to my girl Nan and I did not like that. So 9 that out is 12 Gorilla Clocks. Mm-hmm. Real talk. Real talk. (laughs) Uh, Kelly, what are we reading next? Well, I know that it's going to come as a surprise, but we're going to go ahead and read book number three in the series, Nancy Drew and the Bungalow Mystery. Yes! I'm so excited. We're finally getting to the bungalow. I know. We didn't even have to wait very long, but it's upon us. So we're going to do our one sentence plot contest again. So if you're listening and want to play along, uh, check out our Instagram and we'll be putting up the cover and uh, a prompt for one sentence plots. Please, please play. We love to see your your hilarious sentences. Yes. And on that note, also, please rate, review and subscribe to our podcast. If you're enjoying it, we would love your feedback and we would love your help spreading the word. And as Kelly mentioned, you can always find us on Instagram at It's a Clue Podcast or on our website, which is It's a Clue.com. I will leave you with this. Okay, I'm ready. Remember what we learned today in The Secret of the Hidden Staircase. So much. Hidden doorways can swing closed suddenly and without warning. So always explore hidden passageways in teams of two. <laughs> if you have an option to bring Helen, 
Always bring Helen. Helen! Helen is awesome. Helen is so awesome. Yes. And with that, happy sleuthing! It's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. You can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W. You can find her on Facebook at Danny W Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend Mark Goodlow.